a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The headline President Biden says inflation is the top priority. And yet the democratically controlled Congress has done nothing but pass the buck, no passing of legislations, and placing a lot of blame. So what's actually stopping them from taking action, especially with the midterm elections coming up? Well, as you might have guessed, it turns out that the elections themselves might have everything to do with what is and isn't happening when it comes to inflation. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, the president is uh, saying it's the number one priority of the administration, and we got to break down what is and isn't happening, and more importantly, why it is or isn't happening. And to help us do that, Brian Riedel, of course, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, regular on the program that we always look to for some great insight. And Brian, uh, you, you focused on this idea that part of the reason the president won't really fight inflation is because he's afraid of upsetting some of his key constituencies at the base of the Democratic Party. Right. The, the, you'll note that for all the president talks about fighting inflation is my number one domestic priority, he has not put out a single proposal to fix inflation. There is nothing going through Congress. There is no legislative package. There is no regulatory package. All he is doing is either dismissing it as transitory or shifting blame. If the president wanted to do something about inflation, first, stop the spending, but that would anger progressive spenders. Second, he could promote oil and gas exploration, but the environmentalists won't allow that. And then there's so much he can do that union and labor won't allow. He could uh, go after the Buy America provisions that make it more expensive uh, uh, for the federal government to purchase products. He could go after the Davis-Bacon regulations, which force his government to pay a higher union prevailing wage. Um, he could go after the ethanol mandate that raises the price of gas. He could go after the Jones Act that raises the cost of shipping. The problem is every one of these that I just mentioned would anger organized labor. And the president also says or, that his number one priority is being the best union president ever. So if the president was really serious about inflation, you think he'd at least pick one or two of these. He's doing none. Yeah, and that is, uh, let's break down some of those and, and, and the whys and hows of all of that. I, I think one of the interesting areas where inflation is slowing down, uh, that's wage growth. 
which uh, seems to be dropping at an unfortunate time for the president, where that was kind of something he was holding on to. And, and yet most Americans uh, just aren't feeling the good feels uh, when it comes to how their paycheck is uh, working its way through the month. One rise that, that workers would actually welcome. <laughs> you know, if, the, if the prices of the store are going crazy, if gas prices are up 60% in one year, groceries are up 12%, um, your electricity bill is up 14%, you hope at least your wages could, could keep up. But that's the one area that's not rising. Real wages are down 3.6% in the past year, which is one of the most drastic drops in the last half century. And this is why when people dismiss inflation and say it's transitory or it's a rich people problem, or it's a media creation. Tell that to the typical family who can afford nearly 4% less than a year ago. And for a lot of families, it's, it's even worse. If, you're, if you haven't gotten a raise at all, you're affording 9% or more less than a year ago. Uh, and that is uh, such an interesting thing to, to look at in terms of, uh, we talked about it off the top of the show today, talking about this big disconnect of what the president is touting in terms of jobs and uh, and those components of the economy. Uh, Even the Wall Street Journal said, hey, look, people have saved more, people have reduced debt more, and yet almost half the country feels like they're just treading water and uh, they're in some financial straits because they can't keep up. Uh, And so is there anything that the president can do or that Congress, uh, even partial uh, things I, because you look at all of those things that you laid out, Brian, and and clearly they're not going to swing at all of those. But there are some of those where I think there are some opportunities. He, he might offend the far extreme of his base, uh, but I think it would actually help him with the uh, rest of not only Democrats but the rest of the country. Yeah, he doesn't even have to you know declare war on the regulatory state. Just stop digging the problem deeper. Stop trying to increase spending. Stop trying to do a five trillion dollar Build Back Better. Uh, uh, extravaganza. Um, you know, he, he, he's, uh, he's still adding new tariffs, tariffs to raise prices on our inflationary. You know, the Peterson Institute of International Economics says that if you just cut tariffs by two percentage points, that would bring down inflation by one and a half percent and save families $800 a year. Uh, you know, again, we're not asking him to tear apart the entire regulatory state. Just stop adding tariffs, stop adding regulations, stop adding spending. Maybe, just maybe, end the student loan payment moratorium that was supposed to be temporary during COVID um, because that's inflationary too. But he he's not willing to offend any part of his Democratic constituency that depends on these benefits. Uh, and is this one of those cases where... Uh, we have so many in politics who uh, who really like to be in charge when things are going really well. Um, but we actually elect these folks to to make the hard calls, to do the tough things. Uh, I always say that, you know, when the when the sea is calm and the winds are light, and the sun is out. Uh, every boat on the harbor has a fantastic captain. <laughs> uh, but when the winds are up and the, and the waves are raging and uh, the sun's gone, uh, you better hope you have someone who knows how to run the ship. Uh, and is is this just one of those cases where uh, an administration can kind of overthink itself in terms of who they can't offend? And in the process, I think they end up letting everybody down. Yeah, I think, you know, they're dividing the, the, the nation up into voting constituencies. You have the unions, you have the environmentalists, you can't anger the stu- college students, you can't anger progressives which is kind of just forgetting about the regular majority of moms and dads and small business owners who can't afford uh, their daily 
uh, you know, goods and services. And that, that's who is being ignored when you carve up the electorate into these interest groups. And the danger here is the, more, the less Washington does to reduce inflation, the more they're punting it to the Federal Reserve. And the only tool the Federal Reserve has to stop inflation is to basically grind the economy to a halt with interest rates and push us into a recession. So by not doing the easy stuff, they're forcing the Federal Reserve to hit the brake pedal on the economy so much harder that it's going to create a recession, which means that for not wanting to make the tough decisions now, we are more likely to have a recession if we're not already in one, because that's the only tool the Federal Reserve has left. Uh, such important uh, insight as always that uh, often when we avoid making the hard decisions now, we end up with worse options or no options, even draconian options later on. Brian Real, thanks so much for joining us. A great insight as always. Appreciate your perspective. Thank you very much. Uh, so important. It is the issue of leadership. If you put off a hard decision, it does not go away. It only manifests itself later on in bigger harder and sometimes uglier ways and sometimes you have to be willing to talk to your friends not just shout at your enemies think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.